to all of you are, who are here for Cherished. You're very, very welcome in a particular way. Uh, it's great to see you all. Um, I was at a retreat over the weekend, a uh, youth thousand retreat uh, up in or over in, in, in Limerick, and it was fantastic because they haven't happened uh, live in, in quite some time, in about two years due to COVID. Uh, so it was just wonderful to see so many young people together. And in talking to them afterwards, even though, for example, on the Sunday, which is a, it's a Friday evening, Saturday and a Sunday, uh, there is all-night adoration, optional all-night adoration, and you don't have to, you're not supposed to do the whole night, but uh, all-night adoration, so you sign up for an hour at some point. Uh, and general young people run, running around the place trying to be, trying to act obedient when really they're disobeying curfew. It's kind of like here, really, isn't it? It is. Um, but point being, by Sunday, they're actually quite tired. You know, Sunday morning, you can tell, big, dozy heads on them. Uh, and yet, as soon as you get talking to them, as soon as you get to, like when you scratch the surface for, for, for most of them, you discover a real joy. Joy. Uh, and this is, this is interesting because they shouldn't be joyful because they're wrecked tired. And they're probably kind of hungry as well, no offence to you, thousand cooks, uh, but <laughs> you, you wouldn't exactly be satisfied. You know what I mean? It's kind of soup and sandwiches kind of thing, so it's nice, but like... Uh, yeah, so like you're half, half starved and half sleep deprived, and yet they experience joy. And like we've studied in, in the catechism here, like that uh, peace isn't the absence of war, right? So we can't say, you know, we're all at peace here. If we're not beating each other, then we can say there's peace. That's not really how it works. So peace is something deeper. Peace is something interior. Similarly with, with joy, joy isn't just the absence of sadness, you know, no one has died, so I suppose I'll be joyful. You know, that's, that's not joy. That's not joy. joy. Joy is something much deeper. Happiness is an emotion that comes and goes. Happiness, I had a Big Mac today on the way home from Port Leash. I sat in my car with a big grin on my face. Someone actually, uh, and then actually a person I knew walked past. And then I was just there with a big smiley head in me. Hello, Father. Oh, oh, Hello. <laughs> I'd shake your hand, but they are covered, and I don't know what exactly, but... Uh, so, you know, happiness comes and goes, comes and goes. Happiness comes and goes, depending on how we've slept, how we've eaten. Uh, it's, it's an emotion. You'll notice that the gift of the Holy Spirit isn't happiness. It's not love and happiness. It's love and joy. Because the Holy Spirit didn't come to give us nice emotions. Because emotions, as I say, change at the, as often as the wind changes. So the Holy Spirit doesn't come to give us an emotion. The Holy Spirit comes to give us something much deeper. Joy is a state of being. Joy is something rooted in, in your very person. So it's not, it doesn't depend on how you slept or how things are around you. Uh, it's, it's, it's much, much, much deeper. And that's how today now in our reading, Stephen is able to be so joyful, even though there's a crowd, a rabble, gathering against him, accusing him of blaspheming against God. It's all made up. Just made up lies. They procured some men to say, we heard him using blasphemous language against Moses, against God. They turned the people against him that way. And the crowd turning against you there was kind of maybe different to the crowd turning against you. The crowd turning against you here, they would um, cancel you, I believe, is the contemporary term. They would just kind of cancel you. Yeah. Uh, back in the day, they'd pick up stones and beat you with them. So uh, the crowd turning against you there was, was potentially lethal. So the crowd is turning, and this is actually what's going to happen. I don't think we'll hear the reading uh, because of tomorrow's feast day. Uh, but Stephen is martyred. 
He's stoned to death. And interestingly then, uh, people put down their cloaks at the feet of Saul, who was to become Saint Paul afterwards. So he approved of the killing. So Saint Paul approves of the killing. He goes on to have a fairly substantial conversion on the road to Damascus, on the way there to persecute Christians there. And then he writes 13 letters of, the, of what we call the New Testament. He writes 13 of those letters. Seven of which he writes in prison. Okay, so he writes 13 letters. Seven of them are written in prison. We hear these letters all the time to the Corinthians and whatever, the Philippians. And, uh, he wrote so much, seven of the, of the 13 letters in prison, in chains. And in one of them, the letter to the Philippians, he says, Rejoice always. Again, I say rejoice. Rejoice. Imagine he's trying to, trying to write the word and his hand has changed to the wall. Let's move, move the page over here maybe. He'll, and he writes the word, rejoice always. Again, I say rejoice. You have no reason to rejoice, my friend. You're in prison. And in a Roman prison, like they're, they're going to, they ultimately are going to decapitate you. you. Maybe you don't know that yet, but it's not going to end well. Why on earth are you telling us to rejoice? And how on earth can you be happy? Joyful, should I say. How on earth can you be joyful? How? So how can we be, how can we be joyful amidst the cross? How can we be joyful amidst suffering? This one isn't easy. I think it's gonna, we're going to come across it ourselves sooner or later. Uh, at times of bereavement, times of illness, times of loss, times of rejection, uh, times of failure. In all those occasions, um, it's difficult, to say the least, to be joyful. So where, what's the, how do we do this? What's the key? How can I be joyful in suffering? How can I be joyful in loss? How can I be joyful in grief? So often when you see uh, a mom carrying a wee baby, nursing the baby or holding it, whatever it may be, and that baby is just absolutely at peace. That baby feel, knows, with, again, the, nothing is being communicated verbally because the child can't understand words. But the child just knows, if I make this squeaky sound with my voice, mom's going to pick me up and voila, my stomach will be filled. Uh, more or less how it works, I guess. Um, just, I, th I think the key, I think the key to joy amid suffering is trust. The key to joy amid suffering is trust. If I don't trust the Lord, if I don't fully believe he has my best interest at heart, when something goes wrong, I think immediately I'm going to say, where were you? And why didn't you? I think, I think that the enemy will absolutely use that. He will use the, the, the crosses that come our way to try and turn us against God and to try and steal us of our joy. I think on the other hand, if we experience a cross and we can say, Lord, I don't get it. And Lord, I don't like it. And Lord, I, this would not have been my plan. This would not have been my way. But I trust you. I think then, because again, joy is much more deep-seated than happiness, I think we can hold on to our joy even though we suffer, even though there's, there's, there's difficulty and adversity. Trust is just so key in us being 
witnesses to the Lord, being, being his disciples, being his hands and feet. And if I can trust him amid suffering, uh, that suffering then has served a great purpose. Because it's not like everything is going well and then on occasion because God is spinning so many plates, he might forget about us and then suffering comes our way and oh, sorry, whoops, dropped that one. That's, that's not how it works. E- even the, the adversity, it never, God never wants suffering, never wants pain. But when he permits it, when he permits it, even there, there can be a divine purpose because nothing will teach us to love. Nothing will teach us the depths of our hearts like the cross. Nothing. The cross carried our love. So in our, in our daily lives, in our, in our crosses, in our problems, let us trust. And so often, I think we have to fake it until we make it. We have to keep saying, Jesus, I trust in you. I don't actually feel that at the moment. But Jesus, I trust in you. Jesus, I trust in you. Jesus, I trust in you. And eventually I'm going to believe it. Jesus, I trust in you. Jesus, I trust in you. And just keep saying it. Keep saying it until it sticks. And then we're, we're teaching ourselves to not rely on ourselves and not rely on our own ability and our own solutions. But Jesus, I trust in you. I trust in you, which means I don't trust necessarily in me to fix this. I trust in you to fix this. I don't trust in me to understand how this works. I trust in you. And I think we, this is hard. <laughs> this is hard. I wish I had a, an easier topic tonight, but this is hard. This is difficult because it goes really against our nature. Because Why? No one likes suffering. No one likes the cross. We don't like it. It hurts. But if I can say in those moments, Jesus, I trust in you, then I'm, I'm, I'm learning a whole new level of trust, a whole new level of faith, a whole new level of love. So we ask the Lord tonight, as we pray for each other here, and as we pray for those who are, who are suffering in any way, and for those who are experiencing loss or loneliness or sadness. Lord, we pray for an increase in trust. Lord, we might trust you even when we don't get it or don't like it or don't want it. Even when things aren't the way we would, we would wish them to be. Lord, let us trust you. Let us trust you. You haven't brought us this far to let us down now. You have never forgotten for one second about us and you won't start now. Lord, let us trust you in adversity. Let us trust you in the cross so that we might experience constantly the joy of the Holy Spirit won for us on the cross.